0: Hello and welcome to Feels Like Home, a podcast all about Australian homeschooling. I'm Kelly Cotinitas, a homeschooling mum of five teenagers, and I also run Fearless Homeschool and the Australian Homeschooling Summit. Now, homeschooling is a whole new way of life and learning, and in Feels Like Home, I bring you useful tips, stories, and ideas from homeschooling parents just like you. We share strategies for dealing with the highs and the lows homeschooling brings, and for transforming challenges into opportunities for learning and connection with your family. We want to help you to create a homeschool and life that you love because it is definitely possible. So let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome. I'm very excited to finally be able to say that the Feels Like Home podcast is here. Now, as with most big ambitious projects I take on, I vastly underestimated the background work required in getting this off the ground, but it is done, it's here, and I think that you're going to love it. If you do, can you please do me a favor and follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you are listening on? Apparently reviews are really helpful in getting it out there to new listeners, so thank you if you take a few minutes to do that. So for our first episode, I'm chatting with Lucy Austin about homeschooling through all of life's challenges. Her challenges have included, and still include, multiple chronic illnesses, neurodiversity, extended and unexpected house renovations, and her husband working away. Yet through all of the above, she has continued homeschooling her five children, and she shares her learned the hard way strategies for getting through the tough times. Lucy has been a popular contributor to the Australian Homeschooling Summits, so in 2020 she presented about navigating neurodiversity, responding to those comments that we all get, And she also did a few bonus sessions about intentional self-care and creating your homeschooling focus. In 2021, her workshops are about homeschooling with chronic illness and engaging reluctant writers. And she also did a session chatting with her homeschooled teens, which I feel demonstrated the comfortable and friendly relationship many of us have with our teens pretty well. On her own site, That Homeschool Life, Lucy has dozens of useful articles. And I think Lucy has a real knack for being inspiring and reassuring at the same time. She also has a new membership option that includes a fantastic community forum, a huge resource library of eBooks, and printable templates that cover everything from menu planning to story writing. And as part of the membership, you can even request printables and Lucy will make them up for you. So recently I've seen some Minecraft planning sheets, a template that helps kids write reports, so things like research, brainstorming, and note-taking, and a what's-in-the-box sheet. And finally, she also has a course for parents of reluctant writers. So if your child just does not want to put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, you will probably find a solution in there. So please make sure you head over and take a look through That Homeschool Life. The link will be with the show wherever you're listening. All right, enough from me. Let's go chat with Lucy. Hey, Lucy, and welcome to the Feels Like Home podcast. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So can we start off with a little bit about you and your family? You can just tell us a few things about your homeschool, your family, where you live, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: myself and my husband, we've been married for 20 years, that's Brett, and we have five children, um, ages 19, 17 and a half and a half nine oh no I, I left one out sorry 11 and then nine <laughs> that's terrible um five children so yeah ages from 19 down to to nine
0: I love how once you have more than, say, about three children, we start forgetting Isn't them.
1: that terrible? That's really, really bad. They <laughs> always have that joke like, oh, you left one out, Mum. Sorry about that, kids. So, yeah, we, <laughs> we've been living out in the central west for of New South Wales for the last eight years and we absolutely love it out here. And, um, yeah, we, ha- we bought a little house out here and have some chook and some fruit trees and some olives and, um, you know, olive trees that we, we get our olives from. So, yeah, it's really it's a really nice, simple life that we have. We have a mix of kiddos with neurodivergent needs. So we've got a couple of autistic kids and ADHD thrown in there and dyslexia and things. So i have got some chronic illness issues and, yeah, we've, we've had a fairly interesting kind of story as a family and homeschooling has really played into that war.
0: Yeah, so obviously, just from what you've said, and I know there's more. You know quite a bit about dealing with everything that life throws at you while homeschooling. So, can you tell us a bit more about that and the sort of challenges you faced?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, our homeschooling journey started off pretty smoothly. We'd had a couple of things prior to us actually starting homeschooling. I'd been diagnosed with my first chronic illness when I was 25, so that's about 15 or 16 years ago now, and we'd had our, our first son diagnosed to being autistic. I'd had a bad back and some hard pregnancies and things but generally speaking life had been going along okay and our son was only allowed to go to school for an hour and a half a day at that stage and so we made the decision that was to support his needs with autism and and behavioural issues that he was having at the time and so yeah we made the decision to homeschool all of the kids and uh, around about a year later Brett took a redundancy from work and we were of course in the, the throes of, of therapy life and and psychology and you know all the locations that come with that. And our fourth child was born and over the following couple of years she was also diagnosed as being autistic and having SPD sensory processing disorder. Um, she didn't actually see me at first as her mother. So we m- made the decision to to homeschool you know, her as well, to continue on with the homeschooling journey. And by the time our fifth was born, bought our, our first house. This is the house that we currently live in, but we didn't realise it needed as much work than it actually did. And so it was actually unlivable for the first 12 months. And that meant Brett had to travel back and forth from the Blue Mountains, where we were living at that stage, out to the central west, which is about three hours each way and yeah he would have to come out here with his dad or his sister or or my dad and try and repair the house leaving me essentially at home with five kids three of whom were autistic and you know lots and lots of meltdowns and yeah it was it was a pretty full-on time for us our fifth son um, hadn't yet been diagnosed but he had a lot of issues just after he was born and for about the first three years he literally screamed every single day and so it was those times were really really
0: quite full-on for us. Oh, that sounds crazy. So you were homeschooling, you had five children, including little ones, you were a single parent during the week, and you had therapies and all that other kind of stuff. And also, obviously, you had to make sure that you all (laughs) ate and, you know, you kept the house at a reasonable level of hygiene and all those normal parenting things. It's
1: really quite a difficult time of our life when we look back on it. And, you know, just even packing up the house to try and get rid of things and try and transition out to the country. It was a pretty full-on time for us all. (laughs) But yeah, we, we really had a couple of good years when we landed here in the Central West. And then our eldest, who is neurotypical, yeah, she was about 14 at the time. And she was also diagnosed with the autoimmune disease, which is a bleeding disorder that I had had when I was 25. She was also diagnosed with that at 14. And she was unresponsive to the treatment, unfortunately. So we had to travel down from here back to Sydney and down to Westmead and have lots of of treatments down there. And um, we'd opened a shop in the meantime, a little vintage and retro store. And we were balancing that with homeschooling as well. So we had to close that shop, which was a really, really tough time for me emotionally because it had been a dream that I'd had to have a shop like that and I'd made a lot of friends there too so closing that store was pretty difficult and Brett then had to leave town to find work and was living away during the week again another couple days a week and then coming home on weekends and then about two and a half years ago I was diagnosed with river virus and eventually systemic lupus. So, um,
0: yeah, that's where we're at now. <laughs> There's quite a lot of challenging life situations and it appears like you've pretty much tried them all. Yep, just one of those <laughs> don't do not think I my half kind of people, I guess. <laughs> we actually are people who
1: really dislike drama and just want to live really calm, quiet lives. So it has had its challenges, definitely. But I think... One of the good things that has come out of it is just realising that everybody has a really rough road and at some point or another, and everyone has their their fair share of ups and downs. Yeah, I've met a lot of people who've shared their journeys with me, and some of them have had a rough road with mental health issues or behavioural issues in kids or deaths in families or whatever, and I guess you can just empathise with those people and say, yeah, we get that life can be really, really difficult. And at the same time, you can still homeschool while life happens.
0: Yeah. And that's something I've realized too, especially as I've gotten older, is that everyone has challenges. You know, everyone has tough things going on at some stage. It's actually,
1: Mm. it's the normal
0: human condition overall.
1: Yeah, it's all relative as well to each person. What we go through in our family has been relative to our situation and it has been stressful and difficult at times and, you know, I I think I've learned not to compare pain and suffering either, just to say it is a lot and that is, you know, it is difficult but also there are some really beautiful things that we can do with this life that we have and we can intentionally choose to carve out the life that we want to live and and to be grateful for the good things and to you know also be real about the hard challenges and in that i find that there's actually a lot of peace rather than just constantly trying to to fight against the situation or to dismiss it you know and to to be in denial over it because that's not going to actually help anyone either so yeah just kind of being able to understand where we are with it it has helped others and and i guess one of the things that helped has been adopting some of, you know, some different attitudes and having to challenge that ourselves during the high day. Yeah, homeschooling that's journey. perfect.
0: I think what you just said, an acceptance that this is what's happening to you. All right, let's find a way to roll with it. Let's find a way to make it as good as we can. Mm,
1: absolutely, because otherwise I think people talk all the time about fighting yes certain things, you know, fighting against whatever it is and sure there might be a little bit of merit in adjusting your mindset to be one of I don't want to give in to this or I'm not going to just allow this to ruin my life. I absolutely agree with that but I think adapting, becoming people who adapt and be able to do some things in our life and for us that has involved being a mindset of simplicity and really I guess we call these the the five S's that we've sort of thought about so there's simplicity there's the seasons of life we've talked about self-care before and strategies different strategies in order to make that life actually a life that is worthy of embracing and really creating space in our life as well to be able to deal with the, the challenges that come up as they arise because for us life is going to happen regardless of educational choices for our children if they go to a public school or a private at school or whatever, death and sickness and difficulties and hardships will still happen to all of us. But for us, being able to homeschool whilst you know, we work through life, those sorts of things, just being able to, you know, have a simple simple life and understand there are seasons, et cetera, that has really helped
0: us to be able to to get through. And I love that you've come up with a structure for that. And I even love that you've managed to make it alliterative and start it all with S. That is something <laughs> that I would do as well. It's
1: like the English nerd in me, I think. My mum was an English teacher. So ah, there you go. <laughs> from... From the earliest of um, times, I remember mum talking about metaphors and similes and alliteration and things when I was a kid, but in all seriousness, I think it has actually helped us to process it and that just kind of keeps me on track as well when I look over my life, I can kind of go, yeah, all right, this is maybe self-care might be lacking and I might need to just kind of give a bit of attention
0: to that. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. So can you take us through each one of those five areas now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first one, simplicity. I guess just in practical ways, I wanted to talk about allowing yourself and your family the time to heal or grieve or whatever the season is that you're going through. It might be a season of building or restoration, a season of change or travel for your family. Do those seasons, go through that time and give yourselves the time to do that without the guilt. Because I think the guilt that comes in is that little voice that goes, Oh, you're supposed to be homeschooling from nine till three you're actually not.
0: (laughs) Yes. What do you mean board games? They don't count, surely. They're not real
1: learning. That's the mindset that has to change. And for us, that happened probably within that first year of homeschooling. And we have been homeschooling for 13 years now. So I can look back and see those changes, as I know you can too, Kelly. I look back and I think, oh, yeah, when we first started, I thought we have to do nine to three learning and everything's got to be written in a book and textbooks. And I had no idea that learning could happen all the time. And as soon as I adopted that mentality, that if the kids are baking, if they're playing a board game, if they're using the sewing machine, even if they're gaming or whatever they're doing, they are actually learning all the time. It might be around conflict resolution if they're having a fight. (laughs) They might be analysing and problem solving if they're playing on Minecraft. It might be that they're building. My son was building on Minecraft last week and we'd been doing some medieval studies, um, some Middle Ages kind of learning during some book work that we'd been doing during the week. And anyway, he came to me and he said, oh, look what I built. And so he showed me this whole video of this hut that he'd built and he was saying, oh, this would be, they built them out of wood and there was a thatched roof. And so you just, I see how learning crosses over all the time and I just think that's a beautiful thing so when you think about simplicity you know you're thinking that learning happens all the time but you can keep your activities really simple and record anything that remotely looks like learning so even if you're doing what we call lounge schooling or bed schooling because with chronic illness sometimes that's where I have to be we just see that learning can happen all the time so just get into that habit of having a little template or a Piece of paper or something nearby where you can write down some of those activities that the kids did. So if they played Monopoly, if they did that game on Minecraft, if they sewed something on the machine or they got out a a maths game or whatever it is they were reading next to you on the lounge, you know, what were they reading? Write down the name of the book. And I've got some templates that I've prepared as well for that that you can talk about and people can find. But yeah, hopefully the templates will help people because I think sometimes even just thinking, oh, I don't know how to even write that down. Literally just write it down. And you can use those as work samples down the track. So yeah, in terms of simplicity, also don't compare yourself to others. Just do what is right for you and your family. If that means getting off the Pinterest boards because you think that, you know, you haven't done enough or whatever, just do it. Get off the Pinterest boards. And My daughter, when I was talking about this with her, she said, tell people whatever they do, don't try and replicate school at home. Because I think that is probably one of the biggest guilt traps for parents is that they think they have to, you know, repeat school at home. So don't worry about those activities that they were doing at school. Just do what is right in this season for your family and focus your attention on meeting the needs of your children and your own personal needs. And hopefully that will provide you with enough encouragement to be able to see that everybody's needs are being met. Just keep going forward. Yeah, so that's probably the biggest thing. And I guess the last thing under simplicity would probably be just really celebrating rhythm over structure. So instead of assigning time to things, just think about the flow of your day. And okay, we get up and we eat breakfast, and then, you know, we might do some reading together and we might do some morning tea after that, or whatever the rhythm is that you need for your family, you know, maybe focus a bit more on rhythms rather than on structure.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good because structure is really hard to maintain. I know for us mm-hmm. it's it's quite hard to maintain. If, if I say, okay, we're doing this at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, then guaranteed someone yes. will sleep in or something else will go wrong. So just going with how we normally live uh, works. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, I find structure, is it's pretty much guaranteed to work for about two days in our home. We go, yes, we're committed. And after the two days, we go, mm, something comes up, like you say, someone's in or someone's sick or there's a knock at the door and I'm just like, oh, I can't keep this up. So I think that's the purpose of rhythm is really, like you say, finding what is naturally those rhythms are that are naturally coming to you and your family and they're not going to be the same as our family or somebody else's family and it's totally okay you know really being at peace with what is happening for your family in this season is really important and I think that kind of taps into the next point which is the next S is seasons of life and this kind of I guess I read some of this in Sally Clarkson's book which is seasons of a mother's heart I think it's out of print now but I remember reading this years ago and thinking oh man I love that idea that there are seasons in the natural world and in our life we have seasons and so you know you might start out like we did with a season where everything was kind of smooth (laughs) and within not very long period of time life yeah turned a little bit more difficult and that really is something that that happens to all of us at different in different ways and at different times so summer speaks of I guess freedom fun and adventures and downtime socializing and sometimes resting when it's too hot I know out here we get like 40 degree days or more so we have to have our our nice rest days thrown in there too but summer kind of speaks of those things in the natural world and I think it can speak of those things in the homeschooling world too so going on advent in because we've got daylight savings down here, tend to do a little bit more <laughs> ice cream eating <laughs> and hanging out with friends and such. So summer can kind of speak of that fun season. And to me, autumn speaks of, I guess, slowing down and preparation before winter and focusing on those rhythms and flow that continue to get us through those monotonous days of winter. So winter definitely speaks of loneliness and darkness and coldness. And for me, there have been definite seasons of winter in homeschooling life where I've felt like I've been been alone. I've had no friends nearby or the friends that we have seen we haven't connected well with or whatever the thing is. Sometimes throughout the homeschooling journey, there have definitely been winter seasons and the same with spring too. Spring to me again speaks of new life and of of change and of growth and blossoming and fresh ideas and things and I think that's another season in the homeschooling department where for our family I might go okay we need to change up and buy this curriculum or we've just bought a new uh, science kit box thing and that is seeming to work well for my kids right now like that just being willing to change and to evolve in ideas yeah so I think the seasons of life it is a concept to just remember that there can be seasons that challenge us and that we all go through in different ways does that make sense yeah
0: it really does and I think it's really this way is contrary to the way modern life is portrayed because in modern life we're expected to be always on and consistently productive and consistently learning and go 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 mm. all the time you know always churning out the same amount of results all year round but from living the way we have for the past 15 or more years in a very unstructured way I've found that sometimes it appears like there's not much going on and everything is a bit blah Mm. but then after that there always follows a season where we're really productive and there's a lot going on and if you look at it from the long view it all evens out over time
1: And I mean, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because nobody can be on all the time. You know, we're not robots. We're human beings with emotions and with needs and varying energy levels. And, you know, nobody is born with this desire just to constantly be on the go. And we really, I think we do ourselves as a society a disservice to not stop and pause meaningfully to really allow those seasons and to have those times where we might need to. or we might need to process or we might need to accelerate and kind of get out of our comfort zone and go on adventures or reassess life. And I mean, for our family, we take a once a week rest day and that for us is a really special day of faith and family. And and I literally just sit under trees normally and just read for hours and sometimes have copies brought (laughs) to me. (laughs) Um, but really lovely, and yeah, that it just allowing ourselves that break once a week kind of refuels us for the following week and I think in the same way having seasons there might be a season where you have to withdraw from a lot of socializing or even activities for our kids shock horror <laughs> we're big believers in our kids get to sort of and we've always been like this with five kids I don't know if you're the same but we've had to go right you have to choose one activity because we just can't we actually physically can't run everybody around to every activity that they would ever want to do. And my kids are really active kids and they would want to do lots and lots of of different things, but it's just not physically possible. So instead of us all being absolutely Crabby at the end of the day because we've only done that one activity once a week. You know, we can all still have an outlet and we do that thing, but then we're still coming together and having our dinner times together or whatever the thing is. For us, that's important. So we've just had to make those shifts. And again, what's right for our family is not right for every family, but that has been an important
0: part of shaping our lives. Yes. No, I find that with the busyness too. I mean, we can do homeschool group once a week and the kids do not. Not all the kids do activities. My kids haven't really started activities yeah. until their teenage years. I think I'm lucky that they mm. weren't especially interested because, yeah. yeah, so we did most of the interests at home. So it's like, okay, you want a violin? Let's get you a violin. And instead of having lessons, do all this stuff at home. And
1: Okay. So I guess that brings us to self-care, which I think is a really important part of conversation that we need to have in the homeschooling community. I don't I know as a consultant I've met a lot of people now who talk about burning out or their worry about burning out. And again, it kind of flies in the face of what society tells us that children are going to just wear you down and life is going to be exhausting and you can't do this without, you know, needing an amazing holiday at the end of every week. And um, <laughs> I've found for our family and for my life that if I carve out the kind of life I want to live really I don't need a huge holiday from it every week <laughs> I need a break definitely and I try and have a little self-care plan and I think some of that has for me involved thinking about my senses and being able to take the breaks that I need when I need them and for me it used to be going for a walk in the morning I used to put my earphones in and I had my podcast downloaded and I would walk to town just a couple k's from here And I would get a coffee and then I would walk back. And that was my morning walk. Even when my kids were younger, they would come with me sometimes. And yeah, I just really enjoyed that. I'm not in the position that I can basically even walk around the block now. (laughs) So it's a very different circumstance for me. And I have to say, okay, I can't do that. But what can I do? Well, like I said before, like I can walk down to... My backyard where my trees are, and my little white outdoor setting, and I can sit under there with a book and some cushions. You know, for myself and my husband, our self care for our marriage was, you know, when the kids were little, we used to get takeaway in because we never had a babysitter. And so we would get takeout in and we'd have tidies around in the lounge room, just the two of us, sometimes light a candle or something like that. So I guess self care is just asking yourself questions like, what are some of the things that really fill up your cup? think about what gives you joy and pleasure and if those things were removed from your life, if you don't know what it is, sometimes you look at your life and you think, well, if I didn't Go for that walk every day. Yeah, I probably would be a little bit more depleted than I am. So that is a sign that that is one of the things that I guess filled your cup up. And, you know, you can ask yourself if you used to have a hobby before. I know of people who say, I used to paint or I used to write. Well, what's stopping you from doing that? Carving out some time in your week to do that. So self care is really something that we can be proactive about. And before we need it, and before we burn out, and before we get exhausted, that we can. Look at those things and say, Yeah, I really am going to do this one thing this week, and that's going to help to fill my cup up and keep my spirit high. So, for me, one of the things that I do, which a lot of people would see as probably very wasteful, but most weeks I go down to Aldi or some shop and I buy myself a five, ten dollar bunch of flowers and I just have them in the middle of the table. And I just love looking at flowers and I know that that seems silly to so a lot of people they're probably like why would you do that that could be spent on so many other better things but for me that actually fills something in me when I'm in that back room every single day and it just makes me smile so I see these things in self-care as investments rather than just expenses
0: yeah, I think that's a perfect sum up of the way we need to do self-care. I mean, because I know the the modern view of it is kind of like – you need to go away to a spa for a week you need to do all these big mm. things and they all seem to be things that cost a lot of money and require time for yourself and most of the time that's not really doable for most of us I mean we're like you we don't have babysitters so we've had to come up with just little things that actually yeah. fit in with our life that we can do on a regular basis without needing to mortgage the house or <laughs> or exactly. get someone in to look after the kids I mean once the kids got to a certain age my husband and I started going for a walk in the evenings most nights and so even in winter you know we Rug up and we'll go out and oftentimes we'll do five Ks and we'll talk the whole time and it's really good for us because we get time together to just talk with each other about whatever we want. We're getting outside, we're getting some fresh air and some exercise, and because of that, it, it's all good and it's completely. I love durable.
1: that. I really love that. Brett and I actually made some takeaway coffees yesterday and we just went for a drive because again, my walking's not great, my walking ability. So we just went for a drive around our area and we went down a. Couple couple. couple of you know roads that we hadn't been down before and we were probably only gone for about 40 minutes but same thing again it was just lovely to have some time together and chatting and asking questions about the week that was coming up and just kind of regrouping and it's again it's being intentional it would have been easier for me Honestly, to just say no, we'll just stay at home. But Brett kind of said, Why don't we go for a drive? And I said, Yeah, that'd be really lovely. So I think it is about embracing, like carving those times out and embracing an opportunity and saying, Okay, I can't do the spa. I can't do whatever. I don't need to do that in order to actually feel refreshed. I can do X, Y, or Z. And having a plan for what X, Y, or Z looks like for you is really important before you get to that point where you think, I'm literally going to go insane.
0: That's it. Their maintenance activities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with going to a spa too or going away for a holiday or, you know, doing any of those things. That's, they're beautiful things to do if you can do them. But I guess, you know, what we're saying, you and I both are saying is that you can make those little adjustments in your everyday life. And it doesn't have to be this grand gesture. It can be these little things that accumulate and actually carve out this beautiful life that you can rest in, that you can be at peace in.
0: That's it. And just remember too, that you don't have to tick off every single thing on your to-do list before you can head off. Oh my goodness. To do yes. these things. <laughs> <So> <laughs> because true. the to-do list, it never ends. It's
1: always going to be waiting. When you get back, there's going to be more on that to-do list. Just do it. hundred <laughs> percent. I absolutely agree. And I guess what we're, we're talking about having that self-care plan, it really is just one part of a whole strategy. And that strategy is the next s word strategy in our homeschooling obviously means that we have a plan for what our days might look like and so we might go at the beginning of the year okay for math we're going to use this part of this curriculum or we're going to use this for history or whatever but strategy can also mean having a list of homeschooling activities or learning activities that the kids can help themselves to you know resources that are actually already around your home that perhaps they might not even think about like I know for my kids they don't necessarily think about the dominoes that we've got in the um, cupboard in the container but when we get those dominoes out then they find ways to play with them and they're like oh yeah we made these towers and we stacked them and we tried to make these runs and that was really fun so having a little list I have found for my kids has been really helpful so we have a homeschooling cupboard it's just a cupboard that has resources in there and on the doors inside the doors I have lists of things that they can access in there because when they're in crates or in boxes in tubs sometimes they don't actually even I don't know maybe it's just my kids (laughs) they don't actually remember what's in the tubs and having that can be a help a little list in the cupboard when they were smaller I had photos of those things because they weren't at an age where they could read or a stage where they could read so I would just have the the photographs there so that remind them of what they could do and even having the strategy for having a simple meal plan a menu for the week and I'm talking simple if it means that someone said to me recently oh my gosh I feel like such a bad mum I had to feed my kids cereal for dinner because they're in the throes of moving and I said just do the cereal for dinner it's okay like they're not going to die from having cereal one night for dinner and this is a mum who broke for dinner yeah <laughs>
0: Breaky for dinner is actually a thing in our house and it always has been.
1: It's awesome. Brekkie for dinner rocks.
0: That's it. We (laughs) thought if we just make our breakfast healthier, then that's fine. We won't feel guilty about doing it.
1: I love that and I think that's honestly, you know, this guilt thing, we really need to rid ourselves of the guilt thing within homeschooling and in parenting in general, just being able to say that's okay, it's not our everyday dinner that we have, we have normal food and we have good dinners on other nights, it's just that this dinner tonight has to be something that's really easy for us because A, I can't, whatever the thing is, you know, that you're going through, it might be that you're, that you've buried a parent or you're, you've come from visiting in a nursing home or who who knows you know life happens and we just have to be able to adapt and move with that in the best way that we can and sometimes that best way is totally cereal for dinner so just be okay with that and know that it's not a a forever thing it's just a this is what it is right now and if it's a forever thing for one night a week who cares that's
0: fine <laughs> your kids are getting the nutrients other ways it's totally okay that's <laughs> it no one's gonna get malnourished and our- I remember reading a story from someone saying that she loved these put together dinners that her mother would make sometimes and they'd be maybe chopped up fruit and some tin veggies and a few other bits and pieces and it was only when she became an adult that she said to her mum, oh, I used to love those dinners and her mum said that was what I did when I had no time and no energy to actually make you a real dinner and I yes. always felt guilty about them and she said no I thought they were the best thing ever
1: isn't that so true I feel the same way even with our kids saying things I mean my mum. I remember we had a meal like that once and I said to mum, oh, I loved that Vegemite soup you had that you made. And she said it was literally a couple of tablespoons of Vegemite in hot water with bread. But because mum talked about it the way she did, there's this amazing soup we're having tonight. <laughs> I thought it was some really fancy recipe and it was literally some Vegemite. I mean, we had that very rarely, but, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember the Vegemite soup night. It's so funny though because both stand up to me as beautiful memories because of the connection around them rather than the actual thing itself. So again, if you're present with your kids and you're trying to help them in growing in, you know, resilience and independence and they can go fend for themselves and they go to the cupboard and they get themselves some nuts and some whatever else is in there, well, that's still a good skill for them. They're not, again, they're not going to die from that so I think that we need to see that bigger picture, as you were saying before, Kelly, that when you look back on the years of homeschooling and the years of parenting, that you see, yes, there was a hard season or there was a difficulty here or financial hardship or whatever, but you look back and you say, yeah, it all had its place and they have all contributed to us being the people that we are now. Yes.
0: I love that emphasis. Whatever has happened to us has made us who we are now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of strategy, making sure that whatever you do is really sustainable for the long term. Again, what we were saying with self-care too, you know, you want this to be long-term kind of investment. Yeah, so I guess just summarising the whole thing about strategy is really about having a plan for those harder times because we know that they will come
0: to us all at some time. That's it. I mean, and I even go through that in my course in Zero to Homeschool. I get people to put together a burnout plan and say, you know, it it pretty much happens to everyone, but let's list some strategies that will help you deal with it. Let's get some resources stashed away in the cupboard, like you said. Let's get some meal planning and all that sorted now. Let's get some independent skills organized now because that way when those times hit, because they generally do, you will be really well set up to deal with them.
1: Yeah, so spot on. And I could never have imagined that the season that we are in now, and I am grateful that my kids are older, that they're not babies, but I could never have imagined that all that kind of the instilling that we had done in them of coming with us grocery shopping and menu planning and learning how to cook simple meals and I really could not have realized the important part that would play in our lives now because they all all of my kids are able to be not just self-sufficient they contribute into our family in keeping it afloat it's not just oh you're sick mum and you just have to do it everybody's a team player and everybody knows their their role and that is really important in relieving the burden for me but also for bread and everybody can just carry on with their normal workload so when I get off today I've said to the kids at some point today we all need to have our menu that we, you know we, we cook once a week each person cooks once a week here and so we have to have our meal sorted so that when I get a chance today we'll do the menu plan and then we'll do the grocery list and then we'll do the shopping so I think that has definitely helped us yeah over the time and the last thing really is spaces looking at spaces and thinking about the spaces that we have in our home? And really, have we got quiet spaces? Have we got spaces that honour the needs of of each of us? It might be that you need to chuck a beanbag in a room so that a child can go and just sit there quietly and, and have some downtime. And for you, it might be that you need a space to just unwind in a corner and have a cuppa. And even in our community, been using our, our local parks and galleries and walking tracks and adventure playground. Those are sort of spaces that we can really utilise well when we are feeling like we're in a really hard season. And don't forget to carve out space in your calendar to do nothing. You know, again, going back to what we were mentioning earlier in the seasons of life, that you really need to create a space for rest and in that space of rest or boredom or whatever for you and for your kids, sometimes that's the place where the sparks actually start to find out what our passions
0: are and I think that just really is very important. Perfect, yeah, just having space to let your brain wander, you know, having that space and that time to experiment, think about things and Okay. So you mentioned along the way that you have created a special printable collection to go along with this podcast and I've seen it and it's gorgeous and it's really useful. So can you please tell us what's in it and where people listening can find it?
1: Oh, thanks, Kelly. Yeah, there's a template pack that I've made. Um, and so in there, there are templates for record keeping and for menu planning for, there's an observation sheet that you can make some notes, It's got prompts on it already to see if your child's kind of engaged in one of those learning activities we were talking about. It's got a self-care plan sheet and a what can I do activity sheet that you can just kind of list some activities on there that are already in your home. And people can find that by going to my website which is www.thathomeschoollife.com.au, and there's a little tab on there called freebies and people can just go along to the freebies
0: tab and just download it from there. Fantastic. And you've got lots of other printable PDFs and templates and other really good freebies too. So if you are listening and you struggle with the blank page and what to put on it, definitely head over there and check out Lucy's resources because they will help you get started. All right. So Lucy, you've been through quite a bit in this session. Can you please sum it up for us? Yeah, sure. Look, I
1: think... Those five S's of simplicity, seasons of life, self care strategy, and spaces are really helpful for people to think about how to navigate these difficult seasons of life. And really, I guess if I had to put it into other words, I would say just keep things as simple as you can and meet needs where possible. Always think about prioritising connection and relationship over everything else. Focus on things that can actually control rather than on being swallowed up by what you can't control and go with the flow, find your new normal, create those rhythms that anchor you and your family and remember to look after you as well during these seasons of life because they happen to all of us and hardship remember builds amazing life skills like resilience and empathy and the ability to persevere so if you're going through a hard season
0: just remember that you're not alone and yeah keep going beautiful thank you so much for coming on with us today lucy ellie i don't know about the rest of you but i always feel calmer after chatting with lucy her approach is just so practical and accepting And I hope that if you're facing your own challenges, which nearly all of us do at some stage, that this episode has shown you that you can get through it and has helped you to drop some of your unhelpful perfectionism or unrealistic standards and know that being more realistic and working with what you have is most definitely good enough. If you like Lucy's approach, then please head over to her website at thathomeschoollife.com.au. Read her articles, check out her membership, all that sort of stuff. There's lots of good things over there. So thanks so much for joining us for the very first episode of Feels Like Home. I will chat with you again next episode. So until then, happy homeschooling.